this morning we are continuing a series that we began a couple of weeks ago, and we'll continue to look at for the next several weeks. And uh, we get to a portion of Scripture this morning where I think it's uh, it, it's, very, it's obviously very connected to what we looked at last week. And so if you were here, then I think you'll find the connections to be uh, interesting. If you weren't, I'd encourage you. Uh, we do offer uh, the, the sermons recorded on CD. They're in the back as you leave. You can pick one up. You can go to our website and listen or download it there. Uh, this morning, I want to introduce some of you maybe to something that you've never used before, and I'm probably speaking particularly to some of the men in our church. I have in my hands a map. Now, Bruce, this is a map. Louisville is on there, and it is the biggest dot on the map. That's right. Anyway, this is a, this happens to be a map of Kentucky. Now, fellas, I don't want you to break out in hives or anything like that, so I won't get too close to you with the map. I realize that if you've probably been on the trip before with maybe one or two of our fellas in here, maybe they're the type of guy that i got it figured out. I don't need to stop and ask for any directions. And certainly, you know, years ago, that was a bigger deal than it is now. You know, we've got a lot of crutches now. We don't have to ask for directions anymore if you got GPS. Oh, man, I, you know, I, I turn for turn. There it is. But, you know, in days going by, you'd have to pull out a map. And, and if you were traveling to a, an unfamiliar territory, you'd have to try to figure out how best to get there. And, and then maybe if you're going into a different state, and you'd get a, an atlas, and, and you'd go through, and you'd mark out your course and figure out where you're going to travel. We have a box full of maps and, and we have one of about every state that we have been to and maybe we'll go to. And certainly they come in handy at certain spots. And, and yet there's times when you just, you know, fellas, it's just not, I guess, manly sometimes to ask for directions, is it? And your wife or whoever's driving with you is just, you know, making it worse because she won't let up. And then that just makes you, you know, now I'm not going to do it because I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah, and I know that none of that happens in your car. It doesn't mind. But, but, um, but you know, it, it, it helps certainly to get directions and look for things. You know, a map is, is helpful when, when you encounter or making a, a journey maybe to somewhere that's a little bit unfamiliar, a place you haven't been. I'll be traveling tomorrow uh, to the funeral for Jan's father. And, and I've never been to that particular location before. I'm going to need some directions. And so I'll go to the Internet, and I'll look up how do you get from here to there, and I'll print it out, and I'll have my little map with me. And it's really it's sort of foolish, if you think about it, to just try to figure it out. Now, fellas, I, I know I just called you foolish, but, but I, I've done it before, and, and if you've ever gotten lost, and, but you claim you're not, you realize, you know, I'm just not that smart, and I need a map. And so... Those maps certainly help us out when we are facing a journey to an unfamiliar territory. You know, also they come in handy when you're going to a place that you know how to get there, but maybe there's something that happens that causes you to need a detour. I remember years ago, Nancy and I were traveling to Florida, and we were driving down uh, I-24 heading from Nashville to Chattanooga, and we're going to catch 75 and going down that way. And, and about 30 miles this side of Chattanooga, there was a, a, a really bad accident there on the interstate. They closed the interstate and shut it down. And so we had never been in that part of Tennessee, and we were almost to Georgia, and so we had to take a detour. And we looked at our map, and eventually we found our way back around to where we were going to be. But I, I think, where would we have wound up? Louisiana? I don't know. If we didn't have our map, which way would we have gone? And so... 
Obviously, it comes in handy in those particular times when you're traveling in an unfamiliar territory or when something happens and you need to know how to navigate through a detour. The truth is, as we looked at last week and the week before, life is the same way. We looked at last week when life throws you a curveball. You know, when life throws you a curveball, you need to understand how to deal with it. We looked at a little bit of that last week. The passage of Scripture we'll see this week continues that thought. And it's certainly during those times when a detour happens in life, when a tough time comes up, that we need directions. You realize you are not meant to just figure it out on your own. We need directions. And so we're going to connect this week's message to last week and look this morning at James chapter 1. I want you to look with me at verses 5 through 12. And we're going to think about the theme and the topic this morning of asking directions when life throws us a curveball. When we experience, as James chapter 1 verse 2 says, various trials. Understand that when we read the scripture, that it is connected in this particular letter, the idea of the various trials and what we'll see in verses 5 through 12 of chapter 1. It's not disjointed. It's not a separate thought. It is connected. And so as we think about this, look at verse 5 with me. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, now pause there for just a second. In verse 4, how does it end? So that you'll be mature and complete, what? Lacking nothing. And then it says, if you lack wisdom, then it goes on. So it connects it, understand, to the trials. You, the trials are there. The different temp, uh, testings of your faith are there to produce endurance so that you'll be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But if you do lack wisdom, which is probably most likely what we lack in the midst of those testings, how do I handle this? What do I do? I need some insight and understanding. Then James goes on and says, if you lack wisdom, what? He should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That person, the doubter, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. An indecisive man is unstable in all his ways. In verse 9, he gives an example of this wisdom and how it plays out. The brother of humble circumstances should boast in his exaltation, but the one who is rich should boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is the man who endures trials, because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that he, God, has promised to those who love him. So this morning, I want us to look at how it is uh, that we can make it through trials by seeking out wisdom from the Lord and how we can go about implementing that in our lives. And so I want to give you uh, just really a very simple statement that will sum up what we're going to talk about and hopefully resonate in your mind this week when you encounter something that's a little bit tough. And here it is. You'll see it. It's already spelled out on your bulletin on the backside if you'd like to follow along there. And it's very simply this, that authentic Christians seek out and implement God's wisdom. Authentic Christians seek out and implement God's wisdom. Our whole series is called Authentic Christianity, which is really the theme of the book of James. This letter is all about, folks, you say you believe, here's how it shows up in your life. And so he deals early on with, you know what, really one of the things that reveals how authentic your faith is, is how you handle tough times. You've probably seen people who life is great. They profess faith in Jesus Christ, 
But then something happens. They don't want anything to do with God. That sort of reveals maybe their faith wasn't authentic in the first place. Or maybe there's something that needs to be refined in them that will make it more authentic. And so James really is going. He says, folks, here's what we have to, we have to know. Christianity is meant to be authentic, not just in word, but in deed. And when you face tough times, that really reveals how authentic it is. And so the idea is here today that authentic Christians, those who are real in their faith, in the midst of tough times, will seek out and implement God's wisdom. Now, I'm going to try to give you, as you'll see kind of going around your, your bulletin outline there, I want to just give you some basic things from this particular passage of Scripture on why we seek out and implement God's wisdom, and then what do you do moving forward? So pretty simple today. Look at the top left of your bulletin there. First reason that we seek out and implement God's wisdom is because you need it. Because I need it. Very simple. What does it say? If any of you lacks wisdom. Now, I realize that in, in our typical response, uh, we act as if in the middle of difficult times or when we don't really uh, have, have not encountered a situation before, much like driving to a new place, we're going to act like we know what's going on. You know, tomorrow when I take off, even if I didn't have a map, I'd act like I know how to get there. Now, some of you are worse than that. You'll, you, you will purposely not take a map so you can prove I know how to get there. It may take you an extra 45 minutes or an hour, but, you know, you try to find the place. But a lot of times in life, you know, when things happen, we our choice is, well, I'm just going to kind of act like I knew that was coming. Well, you know, no, no problem. I know how to handle this. Maybe you follow your heart. As some people say, I was reading something, a, a message someone had written on the Internet yesterday, a friend of mine, and just said, always remember, follow your gut feeling. And then I remember the scripture that says the heart is evil above all else. That really, in and of myself, there's nothing good. Why on earth would I follow an evil instinct? Now, granted, I've been changed by the power of Jesus Christ, but I need to follow him and not me and what's inside of me. And so following my heart in the middle of a tough time is not the answer. Why? Because my heart will lead me astray. The Spirit of God, however, will overrule what is default to my thinking in my heart and lead me in the right way. Or maybe, maybe your response in the middle of a tough time is to ask people for advice. And you go to everyone you can find. And you're just talking on the phone and emailing back and forth or sending text messages or whatever in the world you do. You go and visit somebody and you say, help me. Listen, I need to know what to do. You've been through this. Tell me how to handle it. Maybe that's your response. Or, or maybe you just kind of make it up as you go. You know, I'm just trying to hang on. I'm just going to make it up and I'm, I'm winging it. A lot of times we do anything but ask the source of wisdom for directions when hard times come. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Why should we seek out and implement God's wisdom? Because we need it. I, I don't want to burst your bubble, but no one in here knows how to handle everything that life will throw at you. And that's exactly the way God has designed it. None of us have infinite wisdom. None of us have infinite knowledge. None of us are sovereign, meaning we know all and are in control of all. Now, some of us act as if we are, but none of us are truly that way. And so it is not a position of weakness to say, I don't know how to handle this particular issue in my life. It is a sign, in fact, of wisdom to say, I will humble myself and say, I don't know it all. But as a result, I will seek out the wisdom that comes from God. You know, the, the best students are really the ones who have recognized that they don't know it all. If you've ever been a teacher before, I was talking with a, an old college professor of mine. 
And he was telling me that, you know, really the, the students that he likes having the best are the students that are going back to school as adults, maybe in their 30s or 40s. And they've realized, you know what, I need a little bit more education for a particular area in my life or whatever. And they go back to school, and they actually want to be there. And they actually operate as if I don't really know it all. And you know what? They're easily taught then. They are the best students because they actually want to learn. They recognize I don't know everything. And folks in our lives as well, it's time maybe for some of us to admit, you know what, I, I don't know it all. And I'm experiencing some difficult times in my life, and I need some outside help, someone who does know it all, to give me some directions. The Bible says that we will be made mature and complete there in verse 4, but what if you're not? Realize that none of us will be completely mature and complete until we are with Jesus in heaven, and then we will be complete. And so what do we do in the meantime? Well, we seek out and we implement God's wisdom. The Bible talks over and over about the value of wisdom. Maybe you've heard the story of King Solomon, who when God shows up and says, King, I'll give you anything you want. What's the one thing he asked for? Wisdom. And as a result, we see the book of Proverbs reflecting his wisdom. So what is wisdom? I mean, you think about that. That's a great church word we throw around. What, what really is it? Well, the Bible sort of lends itself to saying that wisdom is really the skill to navigate life God's way. It's not just knowing what to do, but actually doing what you know to do. It's the ability to respond to life's challenges from God's perspective. Have you ever known somebody like that? You just say, man, they are just incredibly wise. They seem to have this perspective on things. They're not up and down all the time. When, when tough things happen to them, they seem to know how to navigate that situation. Does that mean they escape it? No, we looked at that last week. But they seem to know how to navigate it. A wise person. Why is, why is wisdom needed in the midst of trials? Well, obviously it's in the midst of something that goes wrong, something that is a curveball in our lives, a detour on the road, so to speak, that makes it clear that we need wisdom. And it's not just one particular set of wisdom and, okay, that's good. What does the Bible say? It's various trials. We just need it over and over and over again. Why is it that we should seek out God's wisdom? First, because simply... We need it. I hope that some of us this morning will be humble enough to say, you know what, that's me. I've been trying to do this thing on my own, and, and, and maybe that's my decision just to say, you know what, I, I need God's wisdom. I need to stop winging life. I need to stop making it up as I go and really get in tune with what God wants to do in my life. Second reason is very simply as well, because God gives it. Why should we seek out God's wisdom? Number one, because we need it. Secondly, because God gives it. It's a, it's, it's, this is an incredibly simple but, I think, profound passage of Scripture. It says in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all? God gives it. How does he give it? It says, generously. That means he's not hesitating. That means he says, here you go. There's no hoop to jump through. The only condition is that he asks for it. He gives generously, the Bible says, to all. We simply ask and he gives it. Matthew chapter 7 says, ask and you will receive. You realize that God is not up there in heaven just saying, well, you know what, if this person will do this, 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 and this, then maybe I'll consider helping them out in life and giving them a little bit of understanding and insight as to what's going on. He just says, you know what, if they only ask, here you go. I'll, just, I'll, I'll help you understand. I'll, I'll give you strength. I'll give you wisdom. God's sitting there. 
waiting for, wanting, desiring for us to ask. And it says he gives to all, which means it doesn't run out. It doesn't mean that if your problem is big, that, oh, it's going to cost God a lot of wisdom. I better not ask because maybe somebody else will need some. Or, you know, my problem's not really that big. I mean, I could probably figure this out on my own. I better not bug God with this because, you know what? He says he gives generously to all. It never runs out. It's available for every trial, all the various trials that you face. He also says he, he gives generously to all without criticizing. And I think this is key. Because I think a lot of us, a lot of us were probably raised to believe that, yeah, God loves you and he cares for you. But let me tell you what, before he expresses all that to you, he's going to spank you pretty hard. And he's going to get you for what you're doing. And you know what? The, the Bible says your sin will find you out. And you just better watch it. Maybe some of you were raised to believe that, whether from a preacher or your parents or a school or whatever it may be. The Bible says God gives generously. Wisdom gives generously to all without criticizing. That means there's no insults. That means he's not going to sit there and say, well, where have you been? Uh, You know, look, I told you in the Bible over and over and over again, just come to me. How come he didn't come any sooner? says God gives without criticizing. You know, he's not like us. You know, I have three children. And, uh, you know, I find myself being a lot, and I told you so, Dad. You ever been there? I told you it would happen if you did that. Well, you know, if you listen to me next time, maybe it wouldn't go that way. You know, I mean, maybe, maybe you'd be better off. Now, listen, Daddy knows. Now, just listen. You've been there and done that. You heard that before. I told you so. If something happens, well, listen, I told you that would happen. God is not like that. And, man, I'm so thankful for that. He is the absolute perfect Father. The Bible says we come to Him needing wisdom and understanding about what life is all about and how to handle this difficult situation. He, he gives generously to all, and He doesn't beat us over the head with it in any way. It's perfect love that He gives to us. Not even a mild scolding, not even a, well, oh, okay, but did you learn your lesson? Not even... Any of that whatsoever, he's not going to get on you for bothering him about what you're going through. There are some of us here today who you probably showed up this morning because, well, I I ought to go to church, but you know what? I I came this morning, I just kind of feel guilty. You know, I I walked in this morning and, you know, I haven't been here in forever. I know I need to be here, but I just kind of feel guilty because I haven't been you know, I know God really wants to be involved in my life. And you realize none of that comes from God? None? None at all. You realize if you're, if you're experiencing any of those feelings, well, I feel guilty because I haven't been there in a while. Or, or well, I, I haven't really spoken to God in a while. I don't know if he really wants to talk to me. You realize none of that comes from God? Not an ounce of that. And I pray none of it comes from us either. Because if we're going to be like God, we need grace and mercy we need love in a perfect form to be poured out on anyone. God says, just come. Just come to me. I, I'm not going to swat you on the backside. I'm not going to get on you. I just want you to ask, the Bible says, for wisdom. So don't receive any of those lies. Well, I haven't talked to God in a while. I wonder what he's going to think of. You know what he thinks of you? He thinks enough of you and loves you enough that 2,000 years ago, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you, a death he did not deserve. To pay a price that he didn't know. He has proven his love. And that's how he receives us even today. He says he gives, he gives generously without criticizing. He just meets us where we are. 
No hoops to jump through, just ask. Just come to God. Then he says, he also gives certainty. He says, and it will be given to him. We don't have to doubt. We don't have any question whether God will give it. It's not taking a shot in the dark. It's not hoping. It's being certain. If I ask God for wisdom, he'll give it. So we ask because we need it. We ask because simply God gives it. We also ask, we seek out and implement because wisdom, God's wisdom, brings perspective. It brings perspective. I, I love the verses there in, Gen, in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, where James sort of gives them an example. You know, he, he likely is writing to people who are experiencing some financial difficulty because they became Christians and maybe they lost their job. Then he writes to what, in verse, verse 1, he says, the 12 tribes in dispersion, they, they were persecuted and run off. They're probably experiencing some financial difficulties. Maybe they were oppressed by some richer folks who, who didn't much like them. And he says, look, let me give you an example of this. Here's what God's wisdom will help you see. And he goes on to talk about the brevity of life, how possessions don't last. Hey, you know what? The person who doesn't have anything may not be valued by people here. But guess who values that person? Jesus Christ. You know, the rich person may think they have it all together, but guess what? We all stand on equal ground before the cross. None of us are are too poor for God to care about. None of us are so rich that we can buy God's favor. We stand on equal ground before the cross. And James says, look, you need some perspective in your life. You need to understand that that when tough times come, you pray for wisdom. And even if it's a, a financial strain, like maybe those people were experiencing, let me tell you, God still loves you. And he still cares for you, James says. And don't put your hope in what you have. And, and don't be jealous of what someone else has. Because eventually, none of that matters anyway. Isn't it true that no matter how much you have, that wealth is of no comfort when something bad happens in your life? Some of you are very wealthy. Some of you have made a lot of money in your life. You've been successful in the business world or the farming world or whatever it is that you've done. And you've been financially secure. But let me tell you this. I'm I'm giving you no surprise when I tell you that that money, that stuff, that home, that car, whatever it may be, you know is of no comfort when somebody dies. It's of no comfort when a friend betrays you. It's of no comfort when you get sick. It's of no comfort when life throws a curveball. Is there anything inherently wrong with it? No, no, not at all. I'm thankful the Lord has blessed many people in this church with a with a lot of stuff and a lot of money. Why? So that we can be a blessing to one another. I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, James gives a perspective. Look, you may be going through a trial. You may be having some hard times, even financially. He says, look, all that, all that doesn't matter because we all stand in need of the cross. And he says that stuff will fade away anyway. It brings perspective. It helps us understand the wisdom of God knows that our value comes from being loved by Jesus. It helps us remember that it's not about how much we have or how little we have, but that we learn to trust God completely. So it brings perspective. And then it also helps you endure. Why should we seek out and implement the wisdom of God? Because we need it. Because God gives it, and he waits for us just lovingly to, to dole it out. Because it brings perspective, and we all need that in life to know what's most important. And then also because it helps you endure. It says in verse 12, Blessed is a man who endures trials, because when he passes the test, he will receive the crown of life that he, God, has promised to those who love him. That blessing, God's approval, that that spiritually prosperous person, 
finds profound inner joy and satisfaction when they receive God's wisdom. And it only can come from God. You realize that perseverance, endurance, is, is the goal in a trial, in a testing of your faith? It's to still be believing in God on the other side. That's the goal. The goal is not for you to figure it out and write a book about it. The goal is not for you to figure it out or for me to figure it out and come and be able to preach to you about it. That's not the goal. The goal is to endure. The goal is to remain faithful. And God's wisdom, giving us perspective, helps us remain faithful, helps us to endure. It helps us to consider those trials, what, as James says, a great joy. It helps us to see what God is developing in us, making us mature and complete, lacking nothing. And he says you receive that crown of life. That's a way of saying that eventually eternal life in heaven awaits you. And those who handle trials God's way reveal that they truly have the Spirit of God living in them and truly have eternal life forever with Jesus in heaven. So it helps us endure. The wisdom of God gives us perspective, gives us understanding to help us endure. So what do we do? You'll see there toward the bottom of your outline, there's three blanks there. I just want you to, to, to write down these words as we go through. It's very simple. first word is ask. If you came this morning looking for something profound or confusing, I hope that you haven't gotten that. I hope you got something very simple today. God waits to give wisdom. We need to seek out and implement his wisdom. That's what authentic Christians do. And the way we do that first is just to ask. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should what? Ask God. Ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. We'll get to that later on in James. Ask. It's a command. It's a command as a first option, not as an afterthought, not if, not after I've, I've run through every other piece of advice and book that I can find to help me get through this situation. No, ask God. Seek wisdom out. Humble yourself. Admit that you don't know it all. The only condition for receiving wisdom and understanding is asking. So ask through prayer. Ask through studying, memorizing the scriptures. Ask through surrounding yourself with godly people who see life from God's perspective. So before you do anything else, if you are experiencing a difficult time in life, before you do anything else, ask God for wisdom. Ask and keep on asking. Go to the one who never wastes a trial. Go to the one who knows the reason for it in the first place. Go to God. God's wisdom is only only, understand this, only for those who seek it out. Only for those who ask. In Proverbs chapter 2, it says we need to cry out for it. Make it our life's goal to understand and gain more godly wisdom. So the first thing is to ask. The second thing is to trust. It says in verse 6, but let him ask in faith without doubting. We need to ask God for wisdom. Secondly, we need to trust him. The way we do that is to ask and Keep on asking. To show him, we trust. I trust you. I'm coming back each and every time to persevere in prayer, to place God's wisdom above all others. We've got a lot of sources of supposed wisdom in our culture today. But those who truly trust God will place his wisdom above that gut feeling. When the Bible says something, and oh, I really feel like doing something else, what takes precedent? The Scripture. When culture says this is the way, really, that you ought to do it. When Oprah says something, I know none of you watch any shows like that. But when Oprah says something, you don't take your advice from that, do you? 
Or you read something and maybe there's an advice column and you think, you know what, that's right. Or you hear the lyrics of your favorite song and you think, that's what I've been missing. Man, they hit it right on the head. That's what I'm going to do. And it contradicts with the scripture. Which one do you choose? It reveals who you trust. The Bible says ask. It says trust. And if you don't trust, the Bible says you'll be blown around. You'll be double-minded. That literally means you're facing two ways. And that's impossible. Because you're either going to trust God or you're going to trust something else. And so the Bible says you'll be double-minded and unstable. Now, what does it mean to doubt? It means that you don't believe who God really is. You don't believe in His character. You don't believe in His purpose in your life. You don't believe in His promises. It means you're going to trust yourself and what you can figure out in life and doubt that that God will even honor my prayer anyway. What does God want to do with me? You begin to act as if God doesn't even exist, or if He does, He really doesn't care. You begin to be drawn into two different directions, blown around by that next gut feeling or song or show or whatever it may be. The Bible makes it clear. It says, let that person not believe they will receive anything from the Lord. God's ultimate goal is that we trust Him. And when we do, He will dole it out. Wisdom, understanding, perspective, hope, peace. We have to trust Him. You'll receive wisdom from God if you genuinely, genuinely desire the third thing is this. Don't miss it. It's very simple. Ask, trust, implement. Do it. You can ask and figure out what God has to say. You can even trust. You know what? That, that seems like the right thing to do. But unless you put that into practice, James says later on, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If you ask and you get your answer and you understand a little bit more, if you trust, you know what, yeah, that's right, I believe the Bible, but you don't implement it, what's the point? Live it out. Wisdom is just knowledge unless it's lived out. It's not about a philosophy. It's not about just having good advice. It's not about knowing what to do, but about doing what you know to do. James says, consider it joy when you experience trials. God's wisdom says do that, are you? God's wisdom says endure in the midst of trials. Are you implementing endurance in your life? God says, ask God for more wisdom. Keep on asking. Are you doing that? He says, don't doubt, but believe. Maybe some of you have digested some scripture. I I had the chance, like I said, to talk with Eastern Illinois team this morning. And the coach and I, it was kind of funny, because we discovered we both at one point were ejected from the same game. I was playing for Murray State, and I'm revealing way too much now. I was playing for Murray State. He was coaching for Eastern Illinois. We both got thrown out of the same game. So here we are relating our stories. I was telling him my memory of him, and he was telling me his memory of me. And and he, he said, you know, he said, uh, and I'm not sure if this guy is a believer or not. I've shared some scripture with him. We talked a little bit. And, and he said, you know, I, I, I read sometimes in the Bible, and then when I'm in the middle of the game, I remember, you dummy, the Bible says, control your anger. And, and, and certainly he is just like many of us, that, that, that the Scripture really isn't doing anything in our life if we don't implement it. 
And, and I'm the same way, and maybe you are too. And to know and to trust are one thing, but to implement it, that's a completely different thing. So maybe some of you need to activate that scripture that you read and put it into practice in your life. And go all the way in trusting the Lord, all the way with Him. So ask for directions. The Bible is our great roadmap for life. Ask for directions. Seek out God's wisdom. Trust in what God says above everything else and implement that in your life. Authentic Christians seek out and implement God's wisdom. Simple as that. My prayer is that this week, that when you experience something that you don't know how to handle, and I guarantee you that you will, that your first thought will not be, how can I get out of this? Or who can I talk to? Your first thought will be, yeah, I need you to give me some wisdom. And maybe that's your prayer, just over and over. God, I just I need wisdom. You don't know what else to pray. God, I need wisdom. Lord, help me. The Scripture makes it clear in Hebrews chapter 11 that without faith it is impossible to please God. And those who want to draw near to Him must believe, first, that He exists, and secondly, that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. There's a great passage of Scripture also in Mark chapter 9 where Jesus comes up to someone and they want healing. And, and the guy says, well, if you can. And Jesus says, if you can. He says, don't you understand who you're dealing with? And again, he said, just believe. And the guy said, look, I do believe. Please help my unbelief. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. God, listen, I believe. God, help me. Help me to increase my faith. Lord, give me wisdom. Certainly, you'll never get to where God wants you to be. You'll never find the end point on the map if you don't know where to start. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 makes it very clear. The beginning of wisdom, it says, is the fear of God. What does that mean? Does that mean I tremble in fear of God? Certainly, we probably need a healthy dose of that. But what does it mean? It means that I respect and understand and I believe in Him and I have given my life to Him. The Bible says that you can have all the great advice you want, but if you don't start with faith in Jesus Christ, then it all means nothing. And so maybe you're a person here today and you say, oh, that's a great lesson. Listen, I'm going to go and I'm going to just try to make good decisions. My life is going to go a little better. You're going to be severely disappointed either in this life or the next. Because the Bible makes it clear that you can have all the great decisions you want, but if you haven't made the greatest decision, the most important one, and that is to follow Jesus Christ, to give your life to Him, ask Him to save you, then it's all for nothing. So maybe that's the decision you need to make today. The Bible makes it clear that because of our sin, that one day we deserve to be punished, but Jesus paid that price for us, and it's a free gift that we receive. Salvation is received simply by faith. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died for your sins and was raised again. My prayer is that you won't leave today without having made that decision. So maybe it's time for you to start asking for directions this week to seek out and implement God's wisdom. Don't stop, ever. Ask, keep on asking. Study until God reveals His wisdom, and then when the next trial comes, do it all over again. It's pretty simple today. I'm thankful that James makes it very clear what we need to do. When we don't know about life, we just ask God. And we trust God. And then we live it out. Don't you bow your heads with me as we close. Maybe there's a decision that you need to make this morning about trusting God. Maybe even just in this moment, you, you, you're reminded of that situation in life where you just don't really know what to do. And you would, in this moment, say, God, I just need your wisdom.
and you've received God's love and encouragement because he's not there to beat you down. He's there to lift you up. And you just say, Lord, give me wisdom. And you may think it's big or you may think it's small, but God values you and wants you to come to him. So would you this morning? Maybe for some, it's in faith for the very first time. Maybe God has revealed to you that, you know what? You need to give your life to Jesus this morning. And you need to come to him for salvation, placing your faith in him for the very first time. Maybe you do that just by saying, Lord, I, I, I want your forgiveness and your salvation. I want you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God. So, Lord Jesus, come in and speak to me. Maybe you just need to ask God to trust Him. And then say, Lord, help me to live out the wisdom that you give me. Lord Jesus, we ask you this morning for wisdom. We ask you, Lord, to help us see your perspective. To help us consider the difficult times in our lives as great joy. To help us see what you're doing to make us mature and complete. So, Lord, we ask you for this. I pray for the person, Lord, who is very discouraged, who's not knowing what to do in a situation. Lord, I pray that they would have the courage and the humility just to say, Lord, I need your wisdom. Lord, help us not to be arrogant and think we know it all, but to humble ourselves and go to the source. Lord, help us to trust your wisdom and to live it out each and every day, to ask, to trust, and to implement. Lord, help us to realize that authentic Christians are not people that have all the answers, but are people who simply seek out and implement God's wisdom. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name.